Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, one of the really nice things about 2023 for me, one of the highlights has been getting to know this guy, Bill Stevenson, a really nice guy uh, from Delaware and uh, very talented, very interesting, has had a uh, long and varied life in business. And uh, he used to be married actually to Jill Biden. Yeah, Jill Biden was married to, uh, before she met Joe, uh, she was married to our friend Bill Stevenson. And um, it's interesting because when Joe and Jill tell the story about how they met, um, they don't tell the truth. When I met Jill, I knew. My brother said, there's this woman, you'll really like her, Joe. So I gave her a call and she had a date that night. You said, um, do you think you could break your date? Oh, that's right. And, and, <laughs> and what'd you do? Well, I called and uh, told the guy that I had a friend in from out of town and went out with Joe. Uh, cute story, but fictitious. And so is this. Fascinated by this story that he basically got his eyes on you when he saw a picture of you in an advertisement. Is this true? Well, part of it is true. I had met him uh, once before, and um, but we were in a crowd and it was at a fundraiser. And um, so then I guess he saw my picture somewhere and he said, oh, now that's the kind of girl I'd like to date. And I knew his brother. So his brother said, oh, I know her because I was in college at the time with and his brother was there. And so uh, Frank called me and uh, or got my number and Joe called and said, you know, this is Joe Biden and um, would you like to go out? And uh, where was your first date? We went to Philadelphia to the movies. Do you remember the film? No, I don't. Uh, I know the movie my parents went to on their first date, Psycho. How about that, Dad? Anyway, um, that's not true either. It's not. Bill Stevenson told the truth to a national audience back in 2016. Bill Stevenson, again, is Jill's first husband. And, well, listen to this. So you were friends with Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Right before the election in 72, Jill, Joe, Nelia, and I were in his kitchen. How do you forget that? Stevenson says his first inkling something was up came when Jill refused to go with him to meet Bruce Springsteen, who was booked to appear at the Stone Balloon. He said, uh, Jill asked me to keep an eye on the boys. And I just thought to the back of my mind, hmm. That was strange. So what was going on? Next clip, please. One day, he says a man came into his bar and asked him to pay damages for a fender bender that involved Jill. He looks at me and he says, oh, she wasn't driving. I said, her beloved Corvette, she wasn't driving it? He goes, Senator Biden was driving it. And I went, what? 
So he knew at that moment that Senator Biden was involved with his wife, Jill. Now, when I first saw this on TV back in, I guess it was 2020, I was struck by something. He just told this story. He didn't disparage his ex-wife. He actually didn't disparage Joe Biden. Hey, let's face it. Lots of marriages end in divorce. Infidelity, unfortunately, it happens. And there was no judgment there. He just thought that people should know this because the story they've been told is not true. Um, this part of the story, however, you haven't heard, and it is true. Mr. Stevenson ran a place, you heard it mentioned, the Stone Balloon, um, a very successful, basically, nightclub in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, bands and acts from all over the world would come to perform there. Um, you heard Bruce Springsteen mentioned earlier. Thriving business in Delaware, everybody knew it. Now, here's the thing. Our friend Bill Stevenson was actually arrested and brought into federal court on April 21st of 1982. Take a look at this. Uh, on April 21st, 1982, defendants, Bill and his brother, were arraigned in this court for failing to make payments to the account for the first quarter of 1982. Payroll taxes. They were federally indicted for not paying payroll taxes for their employees for the first quarter of 1982. But look at that date, April 21st, 1982. Hmm? Remember that date. I'd like to see the calendar. Uh, the first quarter went from January, February, and March. He's brought into federal court three weeks after the quarter expires <laughs> for failure to pay. And how much was that tax bill? $8,000. This is pretty wild, huh? Could Bill Stevenson be going through then and even now what Donald Trump is going through, right? The federal government harassing him. Uh, we actually had Bill on the show a couple of times over the past year. It's interesting because the story made news, a great deal of news all over the world, actually, headlines about uh, what Bill Stevenson had to say about, well, Joe and what Joe was probably having done to him via the federal government. Made big news all over the place. But one newspaper did not pick up the story. Uh, the News Journal that's the home paper in Wilmington. That's the big paper in Delaware. They didn't touch the story. I wonder why not. Uh, we are joined now by Bill Stevenson. Once again, Bill, welcome back. It's good to see you. You heard me summarize a good chunk of your life. I hope I did a fair job. Uh, but welcome back, and how are you? You did a very fair job, Greg. Thank you very much, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and all your viewers. Thank you, sir. Happy Thanksgiving to you. And but we'll go into plenty here, but... <laughs> um, I'm right. The News Journal, which is the News a big, Journal, has ignored me. Big paper there, and they have done profiles on you over the years because Wilmington's, you know, Delaware is a small place, and you're a pretty big figure in Delaware. So we have profile and article, you know, like twice a year for about 20 years. They didn't write about this and your story about Joe and Jill, correct? That is correct, Greg. And what's uh, it's actually over 50 years. And I've probably been in the news journal since 1971, maybe twice a year for 50 years, except for the last three. They have totally ignored me. Everybody in the country wants to talk to me. I have not heard from the Wilmington News Journal, which actually is a good thing in a way, but it is very funny and very ironic. 
And it shows the Bidens you control the, press. the Bidens. Yeah, the Bidens like give us an idea. Delaware is small. There are counties in America that are bigger than the state of Delaware and have more people. Um, give us a sense of what a big shot Joe was um, back in the early 1970s when you knew him. When he was first elected, he was a star not only in Delaware, but across the country. The problem is he has destroyed that image slowly but surely, but nothing like the last two years during this presidency. I am shocked how disastrous this whole thing has turned out. Uh, I'm actually very, very lucky when you think about it, because had he been the best president, a great guy, told the truth, uh, had a correct agenda, did not go after his enemies like they did to me in 1982. I'm just blessed that uh, my popularity has skyrocketed and his <laughs> has fallen drastically. It's just strange. Now, I want to reemphasize, uh, <laughs> 1982. April 21st, 1982, you are brought into federal court for failing to pay payroll taxes for the first quarter of 1982, which ended just three weeks prior. This is pretty insane, totally unreasonable, a federal indictment. Um, now, Joe, you have said, had it out for you. Um, and it goes beyond, though, that you were married to Jill. I mean, after all, he was the guy who moved in on your wife. Tell us a little bit about, and if you can, like, why he was so upset with you. Two things. One, they were married in 1977. Just prior to this, in our divorce, Jill swapped lawyers, turned her case over, our divorce case, to the uh, Biden former law firm with his former law partner, and they blew the case. They accused me of doing things like skimming money off the top, uh, hiding cash. They did everything they could. And I'll tell you something I've never mentioned before, but here's, here's what really was going on, Greg. It was 1982. The bar was 10 years old. The bar at this point had almost grossed $25 million. It was extremely successful. What I've never said before and why I haven't said it was because it was really just brought up to me by my attorneys looking into something else for me. And they said, we just found out that you were getting ready to combine all your loans into one mortgage. In other words, I had like eight or 10 different little loans. You know, when we did the construction, every time I built an addition, I borrowed some money and was paying it back. But I was getting ready to go to settlement at the end of April. It turns out that one of my best friends that we can now prove and talk about later was an FBI informant. He was a very successful businessman in Delaware. Everybody will know his name. I can't say his name tonight, Greg, but I promise on a very, very near show with you, I will explain how we know and show the proof mm. that this gentleman was an FBI informant. It shocked me. It'll shock the world who he is. All right. Uh, Bottom line is, hold on one second. We were supposed to go to settlement at the end of April, and my payments were going to be one-third of what they were. And what I was going to do was put the property in a trust, which I've done with most of the things that I own now. Okay. I think it was just unfair. 
And uh, so you basically won the divorce case. The divorce case went to trial. You, the judge, I think, had the sense that you had been victimized and judged fairly. You got the house. She didn't. You got most of the cash. She didn't. And Joe, we don't know about Jill, but Joe for sure resented the hell out of you. Fair enough? Fair enough. And I think that actually Joe thought that this was his ticket to serious money. Back then, there have been reports, as you know, that he was bouncing checks and having financial difficulties. He was living an amazing life. Buying mansions on a senator's salary never, ever made sense to anybody. Right now, Greg, the tide has changed, and I'll tell you why, how important this is right now. When everybody sold the checks from Sarah and Jimmy Biden recently, the talk went, you don't hear Hunter's name anymore. It's all, they got Joe. We know they have him. People are really, really shocked that what has been accused or insinuated for the past two years might actually come true. The tide has changed. I told you that one of the first shows we did together. Mm. But now it's really turning. All you hear is what's going to happen when the kids who are subpoenaed start talking. I've never mentioned the children. I've never mentioned the grandchildren. But right now they're all subpoenaed. Yeah. What are they going to tell them? Well, the, How uh, are they going to explain the story to them, Greg? It's going to be crazy. The House Oversight Committee has determined that money made its way to the grandchildren, who are now adults, by the way, most of them, almost all of them. Uh, and one thing I want to emphasize, and one of the reasons why I think you're a great guy, I mean, people get divorced. It happens. It's, you know, human condition. Not everybody, but some. I have not heard you say a crossword, a negative thing about Jill Biden in any of this. And can you, can you share with us your thoughts about, yeah, like, all right, look, it looks like she stepped out with another guy. But you, you have kind of put this behind you and you're okay with everything the way it stands. Absolutely, Greg. I could care less. I actually feel sorry for her with what's going on right now. Back then, sure, it broke my heart. Sure, it was a sad couple of months. But the thing is, she never did anything to me. She has been uh, saying nice things about me in her books. Uh, she said one of the nicest things that I think I've ever had said to me was, there was one thing for sure, that her parents really loved me and I loved them. It wasn't the loss of Jill, Greg. It was the loss of her family. Her father and mother were two of the greatest people I ever met. The problem was, I think, that the case was so mishandled that uh, I ended up like paying her quite a bit of money. Don't get me wrong. But they wanted more. They were offered over a million dollars. That's a fact, and that can be proven. They turned that down, and they went to court and were just bashing me for three days straight. I don't hold that against her. I 100% hold that against Joe. But real quick, to go back to what you're asking, that case was over in 1976. They ruled that her education was worth over a million dollars. I had paid for that and continued to pay for that, even after we, you know, knew that she had the affair with Joe and moved on, I was fine with that. Mm. And what happened was, and this is your, the answer to your question, Greg, for six years, they fought to get the house back. It was 1982 
that she had to go into the lawyer's office and sign over one of our houses to me. Two of the houses were corporately owned, and she did not know that. I didn't do it on purpose, but thank God I did it. But the house we owned together is literally was signed. She had to sign over on it. I think you've even seen the documents, right, Greg? No, I don't know. I mean, look, it's just a bit. Uh, I've seen some documents. Yes, Joe, you know what? You know what I'm looking forward to your book, because I know you're working on a book, and we eagerly anticipate that. It is a fascinating story, and it's not over yet, Bill Stevenson. It's not over yet. It's just getting interesting here in Delaware, Greg. Mm -hmm. Bill, we appreciate it so much. Bill Stevenson, a special guy and with a big story to tell, and he's already started to tell uh, some of it. Thank you, sir, very, very much. Greg, God bless you, Newsmax, and all your viewers. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be right back. All right, our favorite brainiacs on the left, General Blaine Holt, Brigadier General, U.S. Air Force retired. He was a combat C-17 commander. And Gordon Chang, uh, the ultimate expert on China. And you got to get his latest book. Well, it hasn't come out yet, but it will pretty soon in April. It's called China's Plan to Destroy America. Very, very important. Welcome to you both. Um, a lot going on in the world tonight right now. General... What worries you the most right now? What should we be looking at? Right now, I'm very concerned about this hostage deal spiraling out of control into something far different than where we were just three days ago. Um, you've got all the world powers here uh, from Russia, China, uh, uh, Iran bearing down. And now we find tonight that this hostage deal may in fact be on hold or at least until Friday. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu's entire career is on the line. The IDF is in danger because it can't get after its mission set. And, uh, uh, you know, I, we want to keep this thing co-located only to Israel, and it could get regional, and it could get global. And, and Greg, my biggest concern is it could get domestic with all of the terror groups that we find operating here right alongside the People's Liberation Army units that are here as well. Yeah, you know, that vehicle that came in, they're trying to say, well, not terrorism, but, uh, you know, that explosion uh, near the Niagara Falls. Very strange. Gordon, uh, what are you thinking tonight? Well, there's just so many threats around the world right now. It's really hard to pick the most important of them. Um, you know, clearly what's going on in Gaza is an example to the Chinese and Russians that they can get away with whatever they want. You know, we used to negotiate hostage deals like one or two people, that Brittany Griner in Russia, and now it's hundreds. And I worry about what happens when, for instance, China holds every American in China hostage, because then we're talking thousands. Um, but, you know, there's, there's all sorts of other problems, like uh, Second Thomas Shoal in the South China Sea, Taiwan, Japan, you name it. You think that they would do that to us? I mean, any time soon? China? I mean, there have got to be, what, 50,000 Americans in China, something like that, right? There are a lot of Americans over there. They would take them hostage? Greg, China is, you know, China is absolutely... Gordon first, if you don't mind, General. Sorry. Yeah, you know, it's inconceivable. But, you know, if we go back six months and think about what's happened since then, I mean, all of that is inconceivable. You know, you start with the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan. Then you have war in Europe, which everyone thought was never going to happen. 
And, and now the Gaza, uh, North Africa is aflame. Um, God knows what's going to happen, Greg. So, yeah, I think that we should start thinking about the conceivable, including what you referred to, which is war on the American homeland with all of these saboteurs, Iranian, Venezuelan, Chinese, Syrian. General, forgive me, a lowly lieutenant colonel said, uh, be quiet for a moment. I take, <laughs> Please continue your thought. No, let me just jump in. I, I'm right there with Gordon, but China is in deep dire straits tonight. The CCP is looking at its end, and it does not plan to uh, go quietly into the night. It will survive, at least in its own mind. And how does it do that? It redirects its people and its army outward, and it does that through war and conflict. Xi Jinping has destroyed his economy. He's gone Mao Zedong 2.0, but he's got these allegiances with North Korea, Russia, and Iran. And, and he's hell-bent on this BRICS plus scheme of maneuver where China somehow emerges from the smoke, the victor at the end of the day. They won't be, but it does mean that they're incredibly dangerous and they're going to take actions to protect their uh, investments in the Belt and Road Initiative, um, all of their seedy little deals here in the United States. Even this show we saw in San Francisco where uh, CEOs of ours prostituted themselves in front of Xi Jinping while he smashed our uh, administration to show their weakness. This is why you get the conflict that you see. This is why we have a potential for World War III. Wow. Hey, Gordon, I didn't know that about uh, China and the economy, and uh, he destroyed it, President Xi. Somehow that makes me feel better, though. I feel like they're less intimidating if they're weak. Number one, do you agree with that assessment of uh, the generals, and what about my assessment? Yeah, the Chinese economy is in probably contracting. I mean, we see a deflation. Um, we see exports declining. Manufacturers are desperate. Um, so, yeah, uh, the general is absolutely right about that. And, and I actually worry about a weaker China more than a strong one. Mm. You know, a strong one's going to be confident. Confident country is going to say, well, we can wait out while America declines. Um, but, you know, Xi Jinping, he really has only a couple alternatives. He can let his fleet rust, because I don't think he can afford it anymore. Or he can go to war. And I believe that he's going to do the things that we just don't want to see. So, yeah, I agree with the general. Uh, a weak China is an extremely dangerous China. Wow. Hey, Gordon, real quick, have you ever been approached by a Chinese intelligence operative who tried to get you to uh, tell them something? Have, you ever been, have they ever tried to recruit you or do anything bad to you? Um, I've, I've been I've been I've been uh, contacted by Chinese diplomats who obviously were Ministry of State security agents. They've never tried to recruit me because I think that they realize that's just not going to work. I mean, if nothing else, my wife is going to be upset at them. Um, but no, you know, they, they've, they've given up in the last, uh, let's say, five, six years. How about you, General? You've been all over the world. Uh, the oh. bad guys ever try to. Uh, you know, make you work for them. We do it to their side. They probably do it. They do it to us, right? Yeah, they've never really put the offer in front of me. And I think that I'm just a very, very failed pupil for them. Uh, I certainly have danced with them uh, in my travels uh, in track two dialogues and diplomatic work. I've certainly lectured overseas in China. Um, I was not surprised to hear that CEFC was at the center of some of the shenanigans that we saw uh, with the Biden administration. Um, but no, they're not. They're not very friendly to me. <laughs> they don't see me as a very, very fruitful uh, uh, adventure for themselves. <laughs> All right. Well, they unfortunately there are people who can be swayed out there. 
Not these two. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, forgive me. I, I know, I was just asking if they ever attempted. I know they would have failed. Gordon, General, thank you so much, and we'll be right back. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving. guys. Are you at all concerned the president's reference to President Xi as a dictator could undo any progress from yesterday's meeting? I guess the question is, how sensitive is this relationship at this stage? Uh, well, sir, it's no surprise that, um, and I don't think it'll be a news to anyone, that we have very different, different systems. And uh, the president always speaks candidly, and he speaks for us. Well, um, I actually had no beef or quarrel with Joe Biden when he called President Xi a dictator. But this guy, why does he have to be on TV all the time, by the way? He had a disastrous day yesterday. He wants to go on television. Uh, I have no problem with the dictator comment, but he sure did. Tony Blinken, Secretary of State, sitting in the front row. Watch. Mr. President, after today, would you still refer to President Xi as a dictator? This is a term uh, that you used earlier this year. All right, he wins big time. So what is the problem calling a dictator a dictator, even if he is in the next room? Well, maybe he's worried, more worried than Joe, about what the Chinese know about Joe and him, Tony. Look, take a quick look at this. It's the end at the end of a promotional video for that phony Penn Biden Center. Right. There's Joe. And the guy sitting to the left is very happy. This is back in like 2017, 2018. Joe's an ex-vice president, probably not going to run for president. They're happy. Why would they be so happy? Maybe because they're so rich at the Penn Biden Center. Seventy seven million dollars from the Chinese to the University of Pennsylvania. That's a lot of money. That would put a smile on my face. Well, not that it came from China. No, I wouldn't take the money. I really wouldn't. But those guys did. Yeah, they did. And maybe Tony understands that he's compromised along with the president. Maybe. Something, there's got to be a reason why he was crying at, at that summit. I mean, literally crying. Look at this. Take a good look. He's on the verge of tears. He's looking for a way out. Why is he so nervous? At this moment, he's sitting across from the Chinese, the president, President Xi, the foreign minister, all these people who probably have dirt and he knows it on him and, to, and the president. It's possible. We don't have conclusive proof about Tony, but he owes us an explanation. And the next time he goes on TV, somebody should ask him about it. Tony, Mr. Secretary, you're invited to The Greg Kelly Show anytime. And I'll be right back. All these indictments of Donald Trump, they're not working, and they are starting to panic on the left. Watching MSNBC, they know it. They have not been able to stop him. He's up in the polls. Donald Trump is. So they're resorting to just over-the-top, totally ludicrous rhetoric that nobody is buying, not even them. It is easy to become desensitized to the litany of outrageous things that Donald Trump has said over the years. But there is a reason that historians are concerned about Mr. Trump's latest stump speech. We pledge to you that we will root out the communists, 
Marxist, fascist, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country. The threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Calling your political opponents vermin and the threat from within, we, we've heard that before. In Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler referred to Jews as vermin worthy of eradication, and Benito Mussolini would refer to his opponents as parasites and reptiles. So Donald Trump is following in some appalling and notorious footsteps of the most violent, dangerous men of the 20th century. Uh, you see what's happening here? All right. Now, what did uh, Mussolini say? Somebody was a reptile? I'm not proud of it, but at one point I did say, I take it back that uh, Mitch McConnell looked a little bit like a turtle. I did say that. That doesn't make me a monster, okay? I think half of all politicians are parasites, you know, leeching and not producing anything. The, this is acceptable political speech, right? But they're trying to make him out to be Hitler. It is over the top and no one's buying it. But it is amusing. Very same stump speech talking about the home invasion and the brutal attack on Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, an attack that was carried out by a right-wing extremist. Nancy Pelosi is a crazed lunatic. She's a lunatic. She is a crazed lunatic. What the hell was going on with her husband? Let's not ask. Let's not ask. I'll withdraw that statement. By the way, she's got a wall around her house. Obviously, in that case, it didn't work very well. Nancy Pelosi is a crazed lunatic. That kind of glorification of violence, that call to abandon empathy, to stop seeing our shared humanity, that is no longer just Donald Trump. That rhetoric and that behavior has invaded Trump's entire party. You can't make fun of Nancy Pelosi. Only Nancy Pelosi can call people crazy like she did. Told everybody that she thought Trump was crazy and tried to kind of organize a movement against him with the military. I know he's crazy. Any book, it hasn't. She was yelling and screaming, sometimes to his face. You're crazy. I'm leaving she can do it. And you know what? It's okay to talk about the Paul Pelosi case. It was weird. And did she say the accused in that matter was a right-wing extremist? That is not true. Mixed up young man, definitely. Uh, but he was a nudist. He was a peacenik. He, uh, he was all over the place ideologically. Probably a bit unstable. And whatever did happen that night, I'm sorry, it was kind of weird. I don't want anything bad to happen to Paul Pelosi. We don't like violence. I don't like violence. But it was weird. And you know what? It's, uh, well, Paul has had his issues. Remember when he was pulled over for drunk driving? I mean, the guy has uh, had some episodes over the past uh, two years or so, maybe longer. Yeah, actually longer. There's a lot more we could talk about with Paul Pelosi. But we're going to leave it alone for now. One more thing from this um, hysterical person at MSNBC. This is Trump's effect on the Republican Party, a party whose worship of white male machismo appears to be turning into something brutal and cruel, where violence isn't just an accepted outcome in American life, but a necessary outcome. Well, if it weren't so ridiculous, I would be insulted. All right. I mean, 
We're not about violence. And, you know, isn't it okay to be a little bit macho? Macho is actually okay. White male machismo, the way she says it. And what does white male have to do with anything? She's crazy. I think she should ask her husband. And you know why she's so passionate? Maybe her husband, this guy, uh, Cass, K-A-S-S, white male machismo? Maybe he's got some. I don't know. But he was a cook for Barack Obama. So we better be careful. I'll be right back. Maybe you've seen Billboard Chris, the guy on the left there. Uh, he's a great guy, walks around the world with signs that show total truth, right? A man is a man, a woman is a woman. You can't change your sex. It's just basic truths and children should not be sexualized. And it makes some people really mad when he hits the streets. So you're telling me that somehow for the first time in history, we need to sterilize children and cut off their body parts to help them be their true selves. Do you hear yourself? I understand what you're trying to insinuate, but that unfortunately is all of medicine is net stuff that's never been done before. And where, we're doing it now. Where were all these suicides people. back in the 80s and 90s and 70s and 100 years ago and 500 years ago? Where were all these suicides of supposed trans kids? They didn't exist. The suicide myth is a complete an utter lie. It's pretty awesome to see him at work, huh? Billboard Chris. Chris Elston. He's from Canada, but he travels the world with this message of truth. Very basic truth that really upsets some people. It's fascinating to watch. I think he's making a real difference. Chris Elston, Billboard Chris, joins us now. Chris, welcome back to Newsmax. And also Jamie Michelle. She is the founder of Gays Against Groomers. You two people are awesome, and uh, I love the work you do. Uh, Chris, first to you. Man, uh, <laughs> do you think you're changing any minds out there? I, I'm in awe of what you do and how you do it. Are you changing minds, the people you meet? Yeah, I definitely changed some minds. Ultimately, what I'm trying to do is reach the 80% of people in the middle who don't know anything about this, because honestly, nine out of 10 people when they hear about this, their jaw hits the floor. They have no idea and frankly can't believe that we're stopping the development of perfectly healthy children, cutting off their body parts, turning them into lifelong pharmaceutical patients. So I need to reach them. The people who are aggressive or hostile on the street, you're not going to change too many minds in that moment, but I have tactics to deal with them. I get, I get asking questions and I get them to challenge their own beliefs. And maybe when they go home, they start thinking about this more later. But ultimately, I'm out there to reach the normies. And of course, the impact on social media, you're making people think. And you know what's pretty wild? I've never seen you get angry or in any way remotely irritated. You just seem to be totally calm and totally at peace with the facts. Have I missed something? Do you ever let it get under your skin? Well, no, I've run all these scenarios through my head and I've been doing this for such a long time that I'm used to it now. And to be honest, when people get really hostile or angry and aggressive, if, even if they get violent, they're doing me a favor because I'm not out there looking for that, but when that happens, that causes a lot of these videos to go viral, and that's helping to educate millions of people. So I wanna thank Antifa and all these crazy leftists for doing my job for me, because they do it better than I ever could. Jamie Michelle from Gays Against Groomers. By the way, are you two familiar with each other? I, Jamie, I have a feeling you must be a fan. Uh, have you guys met before? 
Yeah, we have, and we're we're good friends. We, I mean, we're in the same field, the same industry, you know. <laughs> so well, it, it is remarkable. It's happening on the street. Uh, can you give us an update? Uh, corporations, uh, you know, they seem to go wherever the wind is blowing. Disney seems as woke and even woker uh, than before. What's happening in corporate America and Canada, for that matter? Uh, you know, I, I think that they are starting to get the message. I think they're getting the hint that, you know, if they come out in support of uh, pushing disgusting filth on children, uh, selling products that they're not ready to be seeing yet, introducing ideas and concepts they're not ready for yet, that there is going to be severe pushback. Uh, the general public, as Chris was saying, you know, 80% of these people uh, do fall in the middle, of the, of the population do fall somewhere in the middle, and, and uh, the middle... These people, uh, you know, they want to protect children. They know that children are the red line that nobody crosses. So I, I do have faith in corporate America to do the right thing. I think that, you know, the DEI uh, and ESG scores that they have to play along with now, they they still want to sneak stuff in there. But I have hope. But like like all of this, the war is far from over. I want to throw to a billboard Chris moment. Uh, control room pick. There's so many. They're all good. Uh, let's take a look. What are you gonna do? You gonna let them go through puberty? If I mean, it's the child's like. If that's what they're telling you as a parent, I'm gonna let my child. I don't have kids, so I don't know. Uh, it it goes on from there. It gets a little bit vulgar, um, but it's all good. Chris, what do you make of Joe Biden and his role in all of this? You know, he stands up at the State of the Union, tells transgender children, "I have your back." Uh, advocates, uh, you know, boys using girls' room and girls using boys' rooms. Um, is he a big source of, uh, I don't know, this, uh, this toxicity? Yeah, he's a disgrace. I don't, I'm not sure he knows what day it is anymore, but back when he still had his faculties, he was campaigning on this. The Biden Foundation has been donating to Gender Spectrum, which is one of the biggest organizations in the USA, pushing this ideology onto our kids for several years. Back when he was running for president, he had some town hall where they had a woman come up and talk about her quote unquote trans kid. It was just some softball question for him to virtue signal how he was gonna stand up for the sterilization of children. Now, of course they don't word it like that, but that's exactly what's happening. So Joe Biden's been a problem for a long time. Barack Obama, same thing through Obamacare, they required insurance companies to pay for this child abuse. And how did you get into this? And, and like, it's just, it's, it's amazing what you do. Uh, but I think you have a family and you have a job, right? I mean, you're, you're able to kind of travel a fair amount. Um, how, did this, how did this start? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a wild adventure, but I just learned about this child abuse starting in 2019. My kids were seven and nine years old at the time. Two girls, and this is primarily a social contagion affecting girls, whereas this used to affect boys mostly. And we now have tens of thousands of kids. The New York Times reported 300,000 children been diagnosed with gender dysphoria in the United States. And this really just felt like a calling for me because I'm getting up there in years. I've had all my young years. All I care about as a father, all most parents care about is the world that I leave for my kids. And I'm not gonna leave a world for my girls that doesn't even know what a woman is, a world trying to change the sex of children. We just cannot tolerate this. So I decided to take a stand and I did the only thing I could, which was go outside and start talking to people and I knew if I just stayed persistent and never gave up, that this would grow into something. And I would meet amazing people like Jamie. And together, we're all fighting and we're going to win. 
It's awesome. I'm so glad uh, you're doing it, and it's uh, pretty amazing. You got to go to billboardchris.com, everybody, or at billboardchris on social media. And Jamie, um, you know, a lot of us can't be Billboard Chris. <laughs> We're not going to try that uh, for a host of reasons. Uh, uh, what can people do uh, to support the cause who, you know, can't take it to the streets themselves? Yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, the important thing is just getting the word out there. So if you're able to make noise on social media, even if you don't have a big account, just start posting it. You know, your friends, the, a lot of people are scared to talk about it because they think that they're going to get canceled by their friends and family and job. But I think that they would be surprised that the majority of people really do agree with this. And as Chris was saying, uh, the overwhelming amount don't even know that this is happening. And the second they do find out exactly what gender affirming care means and that it involves cutting the healthy body parts off of children and sterilizing them with chemical castration drugs that are used for uh, to treat um, pedophiles, you know, uh, they, they instantly are against it and want to fight. So, um, my advice is just make whatever noise you can go to your local school board, get involved, support people like Chris support groups like gays against groomers, because unfortunately it does take money to be in this fight. You know, Chris has to travel. We have tons of expenses and it's unfortunate, but that's the reality. Um, but you know, the louder we get, the more people that join in, uh, the quicker it ends and it will end. Go to gaysagainstgroomers.com for more. Jamie, thank you. Chris, thank you. You guys are so smart, so articulate, and so brave. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. We'll be right back. So, have you got Newsmax Plus yet? Uh, if you have Newsmax on cable or on a satellite TV subscription, you really don't need Newsmax Plus, but if you get it through Roku or you want to stream it, it's really a great deal. I highly recommend it. I have it. We bought it. We bought it as a family, and it's great. Newsmaxplus.com. Uh, go to it. You'll get Newsmax 2, and you'll also get the main Newsmax uh, with all these great shows and also specials and movies and all kinds of things. Newsmaxplus.com. Please check it out. And let's get a weather report, shall we? Madeline, what's going on? Rain. It's raining. All right. I, it's not as dangerous as it looks. That window opens about a half inch. And uh, yikes. I don't like it. If I were there, I wouldn't have done it this way. But uh, it is safe. That's Madeline. She's one. And no way are we letting her fall out of any window. Okay? Thank you very much. I'll see you tomorrow.